With out-of-the-box campaign and audit reports, banks that use Provision have dramatically increased the efficiency of their audit prep process. Be audit ready at all times. For more information or to schedule a demo about Provision Identity Access Management, visit ProvisionIAM.com. That's ProvisionIAM.com. Hello and welcome to the MBA Today, a podcast all about Maryland banks and bankers, their history, legacy, and the people that make it all happen. I'm your host, Eric Nutter, and in today's episode, we're speaking with BJ Katz, President and CEO at Middletown Valley Bank. Hey, BJ, how's it going today? Good, Mr. Nutter. How are you? I'm doing very well. And feel free. You can call me Eric. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing very well today. I appreciate you taking the time, uh, to, uh, to join us today and, and in our series where we're, we're speaking with the, the leadership at, at various banks throughout Maryland. And, uh, I appreciate, uh, you joining me today. Well, Eric, I appreciate you hosting me today. Super excited to see what's going on with these podcasts and everybody that's going through them. 125 years is just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's start, if you would, BJ, by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role there at Middletown Valley Bank. Well, sure, Eric. So I'm the president and CEO of Middletown Valley Bank. We're headquartered in Frederick County, Maryland, on the west side of Frederick County. And we operate in both Frederick and Washington County, Maryland. Uh, Believe it or not, the bank was founded in 1908. My predecessor was in place for 50 years before my joining the company in 2012. And, you know, we've uh, we've been focused on the communities that we serve, the customers and our team members every day. That's what banking is all about. Right. Absolutely. Especially community banking. So so you've been there since 2012, about about nine years. Um, What what was your what was your path? to, to uh, Middletown Valley? Sure. So I spent 16 years within the uh, Susquehanna bank world. Mm-hmm. Um, started when uh, Farmers and Merchants Bank back in the late 1990s was a bank headquartered in Hagerstown, Maryland, owned by Susquehanna Bank Shares. And then through iterations, consolidations, et cetera, moved on. We became Susquehanna Bank. Um I left in 2012, you know, my background is really on the commercial banking side, I guess I would say. And, you know, when I left in 2012 to come to Middletown, here was this, you know, small community bank gem that really took me back to my roots. But, you know, it's been a long time coming. I grew up in Washington County and uh, went to Frostburg State University and, you know, I've been a lifelong Marylander. So. Well, tell us a little bit about Middletown Valley. Let's let's talk a little bit about the bank. You know, the brief history of the of the bank itself and and its impact on the local community there. Yeah, so the bank was founded in, as I mentioned, 1908. Um, it was a, a group of businessmen that started a bank in the small town of Middletown, which sits about 15 minutes west of Frederick, Maryland, and about 20 minutes east of Hagerstown, Maryland. And that's kind of how the town got its name. It was in the middle of between <laughs> Hagerstown and Frederick on the National Pike. And, 
you know, the uh, the bank was really the mainstay of the community for those centuries, like so many small towns have seen with their banks over the years. And we're one of the few in the small town communities that have, I guess, survived the consolidation of our industry and continued on its way. And we um, we really we f- we focus on the customer, one customer at a time, and you know, we call it our absolutely exceptional experience. Uh, really being focused on what you can give to the customer, and you know we try to stay. Our marketing budget is really geared towards uh, what our community service looks like, and it's really geared towards how we can give back. So, you know, the theme around the bank and the theme here, and what bankers do across really across the state is you focus on your communities. You focus on giving your expertise, your talent, your time, your dollars, and your commitment to see the community both economically and socially thrive and move forward. That's important. And that's what we do. That's what all of us do that are a part of the MBA and in the industry. Well said. Um, so asset size, how many branches, uh, is Middletown Valley? Sure. So we're, we're, um, eight branches, uh, just over $700 million in assets. Um, we have, uh, a, a mortgage subsidiary, um, and have, you know, been able to provide the financial support and services to, uh, the communities throughout, you know, we were heavily involved in the PPP transactions and carrying forward and making sure that our business customers were safe and could survive the, uh, the past 14, 15 months that we've been living through. Right. Um, incidentally, when I started at the bank, you know, we were $145 million in assets with five branches. So in a pretty quick nine years, we've gone to 700 million with eight branches. Um, when I started, we were 30, we were 35 employees, Eric. And today I think we're somewhere around 160 employees. So, and we live where we work, which is an important piece. Absolutely. That's, that's impressive. That's impressive growth over that, that period of time. Did you, uh, the, you mentioned the pandemic and, and obviously that has been, um, a topic we've spoken a lot about with, with several of our guests, uh, over the course of these, uh, these episodes. And I'm, I'm curious what, sure. what's been the, the, the community, uh, feeling throughout all of that. What's what, what, what what any special programs, any special things? I mean, other than PPP, obviously, a lot of folks got involved with that. But anything you can can relate uh, to us about your experience at Middletown Valley, helping the the local community out during the pandemic? Yeah, we uh, we focused a lot on how do we give back to the community. So we've we've spent a lot of time providing support, providing services providing um, financial support to all of our community nonprofits. Um, We especially focused on the uh, medical staff at our local hospital. We focused on our first responders across all boards because while we've been the, uh, and the MBA I think coined the term the first time I heard it, we've been economic first responders. These frontline health workers have been facing this since the first day 
so much unknown information, so much coming at them all in different times and different angles and, you know, whatever you can, it, it makes a huge difference to, to find a nurse or, you know, find an ambulatory technician or a firefighter and just take a second out of your day and thank them for what they do uh, because they're the real heroes that, that make it happen and carry it forward. So we've, we've Eric, as, a, as an organization, as a bank, um, we've focused on a time when nonprofit budgets have been hit, making sure that we're giving back to the communities in the way that we can. We made sure that we were uh, doing carry out at the local restaurants and making sure that they had the support and everything that they needed. We would do, you know, lunches for staff and different things at different times. So, you know, it's really kind of been a broad based um where is the need and make sure that you can fill it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Did you have to change anything about the way you do business in terms of, um, you know, cause a lot of branches, the lobbies would close down. And so there was a lot more remote work or drive up only kind of situations. What, what efforts did you put in place there from a tech standpoint or from a, from a personnel standpoint? Yeah. So from the, from the pandemic and, you know, the business changes that, uh, were made were, um, unbelievable. They were to some extent, I mean, we were learning as we went, but obviously like I think pretty much every other bank in the state, you know, in mid March, we took our lobbies and we went to appointment only. Um, we had to work through, we weren't completely prepared technology wise for the mass move to remote work. So, you know, it took us a little bit of time to get that up and running, but, um, Fortunately, we have we had plenty of office space locations to be able to spread people, to be able to separate teams and, you know, get to the point that we could work remotely. Um, Eric, probably mid to late summer, we started a pretty aggressive return to work in a normal fashion standpoint. And, you know, we slowly rolled our office and operational folks back in off of their remote work status. We were able to open our branch lobby doors and get back up and running to be as normal as possible. At the same time, it's interesting, you know, we, we monitor and track branch transaction volumes and different things like that. And, you know, we, we see the customer behaviors changing. So we've invested heavily in, um, over the years in remote access for our customers and sure. the technology based needs. And we're seeing those things heavily used even still today, 15 months later with our lobbies open. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm curious. Cause it's, it's like, uh, a lot of, uh, depending on who we've spoken with, there's been um, discussion of what well, we went remote, especially with operational folks. We went remote. And do you see that switching back? And it sounds like you you did switch back. You're, you're basically back to, to, quote, normal at this point. Yeah. So we rolled back to normal probably in the July, August time frame. Okay. Um, we we have certain specific folks that still work remote. Um, we're being pretty flexible. We're working with people as to whether they wanted to stay remote and come back. And uh, what we found was our staff wanted to get back together. They wanted to get back in the office and 
they don't want to work remotely. They don't want to work from home. They want to be together, um, which is, which is interesting. And, and, you know, we're being supportive of, of what needs to happen. We were able to put all of the protocols in, you know, the, the social distancing, the mass requirements, you know, we have, we have the available space that, you know, we don't have cubicles stacked, stacked on top of each other with people <laughs> stuffed in them and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, we have regular, um, cleaning going on throughout the day on a rotating basis for the public areas. And, you know, it's, it's been effective. It's been positive and, um, we've, we've been, we've been very blessed and very fortunate. Absolutely. That's great to hear. Well, moving on this, uh, this podcast was started in part as a celebration of, as you mentioned earlier, the 125th anniversary of the NBA. Uh, so as we have each guest come on, we're, we're wanting to ask this question and that is, Tell us about some of the changes that you've witnessed in the landscape of banking over the, over your time in the industry. And does anything stand out to you? Yeah, I, um, I, there's, there's a couple of points in time that really stick out to me. You know, we're in an interest rate environment that is extremely low and I came into uh, commercial banking from the retail side back in 2001 when, you know, prime was, I think, eight and a half percent. And, you know, you could get a five-year fixed interest rate on a commercial loan uh, below what you could get a floating interest rate at prime. I mean, I remember um, fixed interest rates were seven to seven and a half. And now we're staring at, you know, interest rates, you know, a 30 year mortgage is around 3%. <laughs> when you tax effect that, that's ridiculous today. Um, so, so that from an industry standpoint jumps out at me. Um, I remember exactly what I was doing and where I was sitting on 9-11. Um, I remember that distinctly sitting in my office when that happened. Um, the 2007, 8, 9 timeframe was an interesting time in the industry when you think about banks were uh, the villains at that time. And the distinct difference of that to today, um, I will tell you, I will move to the what I've seen over the last 14, 15 months. Uh, I, I'm the the chair of the Maryland Bankers Association actually this year. So um, I get the distinction of being the 125th chair of the Maryland Bankers Association, which um, is, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, it's very humbling, you know, to see the, to see the leaders that have been in this company and to um, understand the, the ways that they paved through. I'll give you an example. My chairman of my bank was actually the uh, chair of the Maryland Bankers Association in 2008 <laughs> when all this went down. So he got the privilege of the financial crisis. But being on the executive committee of the MBA when all of this started and then moving into the chairman's chairman seat, I will tell you, my predecessor, Carissa Rodehaver, led us into this pandemic in such an amazing fashion with what she did. And, you know, to see um, Bill Passanelli, who is going to follow me as the chair, um, 
you know, the work that we did together, the way that it was handled was amazing. And to see the board and the members and, you know, coming together with these Zoom calls, I got to be exposed and experience the true difference of every bank, large or small, every banker, regardless of position, focus on what is in the best interest of each other, what is in the best interest of their neighbor, what is in the best interest of their community, their county, their state, uh, and really just just move things forward. Uh, I think the number is somewhere around 30,000 bankers across the state of Maryland and the amazing work that they do every day. Um, I've never I've never been more proud to see what this industry has done and what they do every day than what I've seen over the last um, 14, 15 months. So, you know, I'm sure you've heard everyone say that the last 14 months is probably what sticks out to them most. Um, you know, I go back to cash for clunkers in 2001 <laughs> and what that meant to the auto industry and how that rolled through, you know, financing for cars. But um, 2008 was a tough time. Um, a lot of people struggled. Um, it was a, just a tough time in the industry. And that's what the last year was. But the way that we responded to, to this past year is... Um, I think books will be written about it and it'll be in the history for a long, long time. Yeah. What we were able to do as an industry to make a difference. Yeah. I think I mean, you hit on a lot of good points there. And I think that the, um, the real touching part about being a, a part of a, a group of community bankers that truly care um, it's, it's always, it's rewarding and, and humbling to your, to your word earlier, um, to, to be a part of that and to see that and to see how much people care and how much people want to, uh, do things for the good of, of, of everyone around them. It's, it's really, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. One, one memory I will tell you that, um, sticks out for me and, I, I went through Maryland banking school in 2002 to 2004, I think it was. Um, there are, there was a, there was a night at the banking school, um, in, I don't, I can't remember if my junior or senior year, but we had a round table with bank CEOs. Um, and I distinctly remember that conversation with two CEOs from our past. Um, that led this industry back in those days, a gentleman by the name of Hunter Holler from Sandy Spring Bank um, and a gentleman by the name of Bill Grant from First United Bank and Trust. And uh, the distinguished way that those two gentlemen carried themselves was was amazing for me in my very, very young career Um to look up to. And, you know, when you go back through and you think 125 years and really a different chair each year of that kind of just quality, quality people is, um, speaks to what this industry is and what this state is. And, um, you know, you feel very small when you look back over that time and see some of the great, great people that have, that have, 
been a part of this uh, association and this industry in our state. It's just amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've, of course I had the, the pleasure of, of working under Bill Grant at first United and it's uh, it, you're, you're exactly right. The, the, the quality of people in the leadership roles uh, throughout the industry, but, but particularly in, in the NBA and, and uh, with the, the community banks in this area, it's been, it's, it's impressive to see. So, Absolutely. BJ, as you know, uh, and you're going to have an interesting take on this being that, that you're the chair, but as the, the, <laughs> the NBA plays a large role in helping to promote the strength and success of Maryland banks and bankers, what has the NBA meant to you over your career? Oh my, um, <laughs> yeah, so it has meant a tremendous, a tremendous amount. You know, I came into an organization at Susquehanna and Farmers and Merchants that were very committed to the MBA. And at a very young age, I was exposed to the Maryland Bankers Association uh, through banking school, through some different trainings and so forth. And, you know, uh, my banking school impression, I mean, that Hunter Holler and, and Bill Grant interaction was one that it sticks with me 20 years later. Um, it, it, I carry forward in my career. Um, you know, I've, I've been a part of the association in various different ways. I'm a regular attendee going all the way back to my banking school days of day in Annapolis and the advocacy work that we do. When I came to Middletown Valley Bank, we didn't have a lot of the capabilities that we needed. And I was able to turn to the Maryland Bankers Association for guidance, assistance, you know, MBA solution programs and um, all those different things. Uh, I carry forward. I've seen training for my staff, whether it be emerging leaders or whether it be Maryland Banking School or the CEO forums, um, the relationships that I've been able to make with members and board of directors of the MBA and, you know, people that I have tremendous, tremendous respect for. Uh, I, I would tell you that the MBA since a very, very early stage when I transitioned off of the teller line, has been an integral part of uh, my career, my success, and my pride. That's great. That's great. Well, BJ, I really appreciate your time today. Um, do you have any closing thoughts before we wrap up today? Yeah, I would tell you that uh, your podcast listeners, um, there are going to be a lot of them are going to be bankers or tied to the industry. <laughs> and, um, you know, what I would say is on behalf of the MBA and as its chair and on behalf of the communities that each of you serve, thank you for everything that you've done to see your community be better. And I know that's easy to say in the last 14 months that we have, um, but it is not taken lightly that we try to do that every day, regardless of the circumstances. We try to make a difference every day and improve the quality of the community and be there to support the community. Um, and we've been doing it for 125 years. 
and the ebbs and flows of everything, you know, and my career is short, but, you know, when you look back at the history going all the way back to 1896, there's been a lot of different times and a lot of different challenges that the Maryland bankers have faced over those years. There will be a lot more to come in the future. So in this one moment, as we take a pause to say, um, happy 125th anniversary MBA. Um, I want to take a moment and pause and say for the, you know, roughly 30,000 bankers in the state of Maryland, thank you for everything that you do every day and in these times. And so proud to be a part of it. Um, so proud to be a part of this industry. It's an amazing place to be. BJ Getz, president and CEO at Middletown Valley Bank. Thank you again sincerely for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely, Eric. I appreciate you hosting me and having me. And, you know, I'm sure that we're that you have a bunch more of these to do because we have so many amazing people to touch on our 125 years. Thank you for your commitment to it. I do want to give a special thank you to Bill Grant and Marianne Scully. I know that they're doing a tremendous amount of work related to our 125th anniversary. And um, I would be remiss if I didn't thank them for everything that they're doing, Eric. Indeed. Indeed. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. You can always find more episodes by visiting our website, mdbankers.com slash podcast. You can also always leave feedback, ask questions, or request a topic for us to discuss by sending an email to mbapodcast at mdbankers.com. The Maryland Bankers Association is the leading advocate, trusted partner, and exceptional resource for Maryland banks and the banking industry. We thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more MBA Today. But until then, remember, together we represent one voice. And as an industry, we make a positive difference in the communities that we serve. Have a great week. The 125th Podcast Series is brought to you exclusively by Provision IAM. Managing employee identity has become the foundation of a bank's information security plan. And now you can manage your user identities by automating role-based permissions. Provision is built for community banks. Safeguard your systems. Ensure regulatory compliance. And slash audit prep time. Schedule a demo or learn more about Provision Identity Access Management. Go to provisioniam.com.